Sweet. I'm uh, flattered by the comments from Brex. I'm like, man, if only I could be like Shoemaker, man. So awesome. Thank you guys for being here. We've um, been in this study on Daddy God, which is a relatively new realm of my relationship with Jesus. And it all started transitioning when I became a father. I have a little two and a half year old girl named Scarlett and a little uh, six and a half month old son. And so from that process, I just learned that um, a lot of the associations that I had in developing my relationship with Jesus were just completely wrong. And um, I'm like now realizing how dysfunctional and uh, crazy I kind of am in my head. Let me tell you how crazy I am in my head. For about, I'm 32, so about many years I've been this way. Like, I don't know when I got saved because I, I gave my life to the Lord like 46 times I, at some point before I was like five. Um, but since then, I've been, been completely paralyzed and completely stressed. Like, knowing Jesus has been one of the most stressful things in my existence. At one point, you're like, yes, I'm saved, but it causes me so much anxiety. Here are some of the things. How do I really know if I fear the Lord enough? How do I know? How do I know? I mean, sh- should I feel scared? Should I, like, how, how scared? I mean, like, pee your pants scared? Or, like, what should I do? Like, you know, like, fear the Lord. Am I pleasing the Lord with what I'm doing? How do I know that what I'm doing is honoring, pleasing, that it has given him glory? How about that? How do you give glory to God? It's like, everyone says, oh, glo-. I mean, people like, for glo- glory. Like, I don't know what that means. Like, help me. Like, I don't know what it means to give glory or not give glory. Does that mean I raise my hands? I mean, I sit down. What does that mean? And how do I know if I'm giving enough glory? Like, is there a big measuring stick somewhere? Like, I'm, like, comparing myself. These are things I never knew, and I just was riddled with fear. How about, oh, I forgot to give God the glory. Heaven forbid I got a compliment, and I didn't give God the glory. I'm like, lightning bolt's going to come down? Like, I didn't know. And so anybody sympathize with that kind of dysfunction at all? And the biggest one is that the topic of what will I choose to do with my life? I knew I loved Jesus. But I thought if you really love Jesus, you have to become a missionary. And it's like, I don't want to be a missionary. I, I don't, I just, I, I feel really bad I didn't want to be a missionary. Um, but I love Jesus, so I didn't know what to do. And so I feared, I'm in software and um, in business. I had a guy, uh, like yesterday, how long do you work for the church? I kind of laughed. I was like, I don't work for the church. Like, I'm, I'm here for fun. I'm here to service you guys and hopefully have an encouraging word. But I actually have a full-time job, if you can believe that. Um, and, uh, but I feared that my love and passion for technology, for entrepreneurship, was always in competition with God. I was always fearful that if I love anything too much, it means I'm not loving Jesus. And so I just like beat myself in fear over, gosh, I better not do anything too much because then God will get jealous and he'll smite me. <laughs> I've been terrified of my own personal success in that vein too. One of the most um, embarrassing things that happened to me last year was I was recognized as one of the 40 under 40 with the Sacramento Business Journal for, for business stuff. And um, it was, like, terrifying. I, I, had, like, I had no idea, like, how to, people congratulate me. And I'm like, oh, let's change the topic. And I just, it was, like, so hard because I, I didn't know how to honor God in that. It's like, I didn't, I didn't get, like, this big chance to give this acceptance speech. And I, and I had, like, four seconds just to say, hi, thanks, and take my award. But I, then I felt like, well, I didn't 
give Jesus the glory enough. And I'm just like riddled with like anxiety over it. Again, you guys kind of get the point. Um, and usually like when people want to talk about like a talk or something, I'd rather talk about like what I did wrong, what I could do better at. It makes you really uncomfortable. When someone's like, yeah, I got, you know, really encouraged by that. I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. It makes me feel awkward. So I'm working on that. But I've, I've spent 32 years essentially growing this fear of the glory of God and, glory, and, and having this fear of where my glory and his glory ends and begins. So the first thing tonight is I want to cover some of the aspects of glory. And also I wanted to give you some of the insight as being a father, what it is meant to live under the watchful eye and heart of a father for Daddy God. And what I learned in the process is that as I've gotten to know Daddy God, probably in the past two years, is that God does not need to prove himself better than me. I was always like concerned that, I, that Jesus needed to prove himself better in every area. And have you ever like had someone that just like one-ups you? I went to San Francisco yesterday. Oh, I, I've been there 40 times. All right. <laughs> I ate at this restaurant. Pff, I've been there. This other restaurant's way better. You're like, oh, dude, like chill out. You know, have you ever had like someone just has to one-up you? And I was like, you know, always fearful, like, okay, I got to make sure that God's always got the last call, the last one up, you know, and, and was terrified of that. And conversely, is that I always would have to reaffirm that I am lower than Jesus. It's like, I'm not low enough. I'm, I like, I, I come up with names, I'm dirt, I'm nothing. There's like worship songs that start, I am nothing. And like beautiful songs, but like the lyrics that we sing sometimes are really depressing, <laughs> And what I've learned is that there actually is, there's no debate in the majesty of God. There's just none. It's not even worth the conversation. When you really believe that Jesus is who he is and God is who he is, there is nothing that you need to even begin the conversation of it's a comp like it, it, there's any comparison. There is none. But what I learned is that, unfortunately, my most familiar way to elevate God was to diminish myself. I thought I was most glorifying Jesus when I was most hard beating my own heart and soul into the ground and trying to say, Lord, I'm nothing. I'm worthless. I'm so undeserving. And these words, they still are the top of my tongue. Even a few nights ago, I was just walking, I was like, just praying to Jesus. And, like, and these things just come. Like, where are these coming from? And although that, yes, I, I was not deserving of the grace, but I have it, it doesn't mean that in my process of maybe mentioning facts of my condition before Jesus, that that is even glorifying to him now. If I was to think about my little girl who's saying, Daddy, I'm so undeserving of you, like, I, I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about you, you cutting down on yourself at all. And so just because you make yourself lowly does not mean that you're lifting God high. Just because you are making yourself lowly does not mean you're lifting God high. And so a relationship with Daddy God produces an ongoing awe and recognition. Relationship with Daddy God should be this revelatory experience like, I don't even need to go there. I'm not even going to start because I'm just so in your presence. I'm just so in awe of who you are. I don't even describe it. I'm not even going to begin. So I want to clear up. It's first this tricky thing about Glory. And I, I, if, I'm excited to share it. <laughs> uh, the second thing is, is what is pleasing to God and how we do it. And um, how do we guarantee that God is included? That's another challenging thing. How do I know that Jesus is included? Is that, is that cool? So the, the, there's a, a common thread through all this. So if you've been following the Daddy God series, I've been going through these kind of like mainstay truths. 
And I forget what number this one is, but here it is. It is that Daddy God is not in competition with you. Daddy God is not in competition with you. It may not sound that profound, but let me break it down for you. The glory of God, his awe and his majesty, it's completely indisputable. It's unfathomable. I believe that we talk about glory, we mention glory, there's Bible verses about glory. We actually will never be able to fully comprehend and experience until we're in heaven. So I, like, it doesn't even please, because I'm, I'm about to go somewhere that might give me a few feisty emails, okay? So don't misunderstand me. The glory of God is untouchable. It's unfathomable. You cannot take away from it. You cannot take away from it, but here's the other thing is you can't contribute to it. You can participate in it because if God made his glory depend upon you surrendering it, then he's not all glorious. When we have a fear that we actually can reduce the glory from God, we're actually recognizing an inferior God because you can't, you, you can't take away his glory. It is what it is. We can participate in it. And so there's this confusing thing. We give glory to God and glory. And, and, and so here it is. Let us start the basics. Romans 3.23, probably the verse that almost everybody knows regarding sin. It says, all have sinned and fallen short. Do you know what it says next? Of the glory. Now we focus on all have sinned. We get that part. And then we've fallen short. Like we get that part. We get all have sinned and all have fallen short. But it's important that we actually have the full entire context of the verse. What do we fall short of? The glory. Did you catch what the intent for us was? Not to be sinless, but to be glorious. The original intent for you and me was not to be sinless, it was to be glorious. Glory was the original position that you and I were made for. Sin itself was not the problem. It's what sin did to us what became the problem. We're fallen not because we have sin. We're fallen because we're no longer glorious. And sin is what made us to become something we were not. By design, God designed you to be glorious, purposed you for glory, and desires you to be in glory. But it's sin is what what changed our condition. Because of this, the redemption of the cross, the salvation of our souls, the entire journey that we have for Jesus is not just simply and only about eternal salvation because yes, amen, we're eternally saved. Awesome. But the other part of it is that God's children are returning to glory here and now. The redemption on the cross, the goal of redemption is actually to return to glory. That was what we were intended for. That is where we're designed to go. Let me prove it to you. Look at how the scriptures link this. Romans 8, 30 and 31 says, And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. You. 1 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. You following me? Jesus himself in John 17 says this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's where you and I come in. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you 
are in me and I'm in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. If this doesn't turn you on, you don't have a switch. We are so paranoid about us accidentally receiving glory that the scriptures say you were intended for glory and the cross is trying to bring you back there. And so redemption is in two parts. It's first our eternal salvation and the second part is our journey here beginning on earth that is return us to glory. You are on a journey from glory to glory, the final destination in heaven. We are in the full glory of Jesus. But somehow our minds have tricked ourselves about the glory of God. For me, at least, my first association in my mind about God's glory is that I'm not worthy. When I hear God's glory, the back of my mind says, you are not. And so I have this association of bringing myself down, as I said, to be a means of putting God up. And so we can get so caught up in making ourselves lowly that we completely forget the scriptures that tell us that Jesus is on the journey of making us glorious. How annoying would it be for God to be trying to build you up and you're tearing yourself down. How counterproductive is that? While you are so trying to self-deprecate and and just reduce yourself, it's like God is like, I I can hardly keep up. I I mean, every single time I build you up, you tear yourself down. Every single time I build yourself, you tear yourself down. I'm not trying to say that we have the, the capacity to save ourselves. I'm not trying to, don't misunderstand me about what I believe about God, Okay. Please, don't write me angry emails and letters. I'm saying is that the glory of God was intended for us to participate with. And so because of that, the truth is it is impossible to steal glory from God because he is the one who's given it to you in the first place. You can't steal something from somebody who's given it to you already. It's like it's a gift. I'm making you glorious. I'm transforming you from glory to glory. Jesus says, I have given them the glory you, the Father, have given me. That's pretty awesome. And yet we're so terrified of that. At least I am. I was so terrified. Like, I I had to put a Jesus sticker on everything. Like, I bought, like, this, like, 40-pack from, like, you know, bookstores. (laughs) Like, it it had to be on everything. I just got to show God glory. You know, like, I was just all about it. And so here's what you can take from this about the competition is that God is not in competition for your glory because your glory is his glory. God is not in competition with your glory because your glory is his glory. Is that making sense? There's a a term that I never knew about. I was like, whatever, that's a smart theologian term. It's sanctification. I think And I believe that sanctification is actually us returning to glory. Sanctification sanctification never made sense to me. It's like, I don't know what, I'm thesaurus, I'm like, what? But I can tell you what I believe. And this is my own stuff. I mean, I'm going on the revelation of Jesus. I feel like he just hammered this home for me is that us on that journey is sanctification. So if you need a a theology to fit this into a box, there's your box. (laughs) So, you guys good with that? Part two of this. How do we guarantee that God is honored, recognized, and included in what we do? And how do we know that when we do things for God versus when we do things for ourselves? Well, we can answer those questions by looking at the heart of the Father or a daddy-God heart. One of the most frequent things you'll hear in the house 
is, Daddy, Daddy, come look, Daddy, Daddy. And like, you know, this little two-year-old, like, running around the corner. Daddy, Daddy, come look. And if you don't go there, it's like, Daddy, Daddy, look. And you're just like, ah, you know, like, she just is, she's all about it. And, I, and just a quick disclaimer, because I do not want to forget this. Um, because I'm talking about Daddy God to us, I'm going to use the I version of my context with Scarlett. This is actually about um, me and my wife, Camille. And so as you hear me say I, it's like she's really responsible for a lot of things I'll say, but I just want to get that out of the way. So she's an amazing mother. So as you hear me say I, there's a lot of things that is actually we, but I'm just going to keep the connection nice and kosher there. Okay. Um, So many times she'll come running, Daddy, Daddy, look. And she'll want to take me and she'll want to show me something. And and she'll usually want me to come do something with her. Or maybe she wants to show me something she made. Um, occasionally, she'll prepare like a little gift for me. Um, and she brings them to me and shows them to me. I have a couple pictures. There's a, a drawing picture that maybe we have up here we can show you. That is um, invaluable. It should be hung in a museum. Uh, and then a painting picture right there. She's two. She didn't, she didn't write her name uh, yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> If I were to submit that in an art contest, they would not win, to say the least. But they're important to me. They're really important to me. And these weren't even given to me. These were found. (laughs) A lot of times, she's like, Daddy, Daddy, come look. And maybe she has something for me. Maybe she's done a picture or drawing. But in fact, most of the time, she doesn't do that. The majority of the time, she's not thinking about me making things for me. She does many things on her own and for herself that become treasured works for me. These are treasured for me. I wasn't around when she painted or drew those, but they're mine. Here's what you can hold on to this. She didn't have to make it for me for it to be loved by me. My little daughter, she can make things without even thinking about me, and I love them. She did not even have to include me for me to receive joy from what she did. She didn't need to ask me to recognize it, to treasure it, or to memorialize it, or to take a picture of it. She didn't have to ask me any of those things. I claim it for me whether or not she brings it to me. She didn't need to come give it to me. I didn't ask her Come bring it before daddy's feet. You know, I I didn't didn't make her do anything. I didn't ask her, will you give it to me? I take pride out of all her creations, regardless if I'm ever recognized, included, or invited. Why? It's because everything she's doing is made possible by what I have given her. Everything that she does, everything she creates, is made possible because I have given it to her. We've given it to her. Right here, see? (laughs) The pens, the markers, the paint, the little table, the little chairs, the recycled paper, the pad, the colored paper. Every single thing that she has that she creates something with, it's because we gave it to her. How else would she produce anything? She's two. She can't drive. She has no job. She doesn't know where the paint aisle is. Like, she's completely incapable of it. And so when she does things from the things that we have given her or taught her, I participate in the result all the time. Why? Because I was the enabler. 
Whatever Scarlet learns and does, I participate in the joy because I was the enabler. Apart from me, Scarlet can do nothing. That almost sounds like a Bible verse. Hey, John 15, 15, or 15, 5. One of those verses that I, I was scared of. I was like, I don't know what that means. It says this, for apart from me, you can do nothing. That's what Jesus says. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That verse is terrifying me because it, it, it's a, it's always felt like a responsibility of what I have to do. And it's actually a, a statement about where you're at. It's not a statement about what you will do. It's a, it's, a, it's a statement about totality of you. Because of this, there's tremendous freedom in the heart of Daddy God for everything you do, regardless of what you do, because he is the enabler. Everything, the, the, the breath in our lungs, everything you do is because he is enabling you to do it. The other day I was spying on Scarlett. I was like peeking around like the corner. I love watching her by herself. She, puts, she has this little draffy, and she'll go put it to bed. And she does like the entire bedtime routine for her little draffy. Even down to like she'll go back in the room. She's like, no, it's bedtime. And she's like, she'll leave. You know, like when we're out there, she's like telling me like, be quiet, shh, shh, quiet, draffy's sleeping. Because like Maverick sleeps. And, and so um, I'll spy on her all the time. She has no idea that I'm there. And even the hidden things that she does by herself bring such joy and laughter. Again, I'm nowhere in the mix. I'm not even a thought in her mind. And yet everything that she does, I claim it for me. Daddy God shares in every accomplishment of yours. Every accomplishment of Scarlet are my accomplishments. And every victory and every accomplishment of mine is hers. We just moved. It's like we called it New House. Scarlett, you want to go to New House? Yeah! You know, she's like all about it. My victories are hers and hers are mine. She can do nothing apart from me. Everything she does is connected to me. And I experience similar euphoria anytime she experiences euphoria. Like this connection. Like if she's happy, I'm happy. Like it, it's amazing. Um, when she first went on the potty, oh my, it, it still feels like one of the greatest life achievements to have, like to train my child to go pee in a potty. It's amazing. Like I, I danced, we jumped around. I was like, it, it, it seriously felt like a miracle. It was like one of those things you thought was impossible. If you haven't ever gone through that, trust me. Still to this day, like, like college diploma, business, potty training. Like they're like all there. <laughs> and so we teach her those things. Like right now she's learning to, to learn Spanish, which is really cute. Dos? Like she's so cute. But everything she does, whether she knows it or not, everything she does, whether she knows it or not, is by me, for me, and through me. Wait. That almost sounds like another Bible verse itself, too. Could it be that Romans 11.36? Here's another tricky one. It says, for, for from him and through him and for him are all things. Jesus talking about you. It's almost like there's parallels here. It's incredible. Are you with me? And so because of this, 
Because I'm the enabler of her, that everything that she does, regardless of what I'm included, I take delight and joy. And because of that, everything she does is for me, through me, and by me. Because of this, I do not distinguish what was done for me and what was done for her. It's really important for us to capture this. Because if you're like me and you've fretted and stressed out about, did I do this for God or not? We can then take light. If if the father's heart is anything like the daddy heart that I'm telling you about, is that when daddy God looks at your life, he looks and is pleased with where you're at in life, regardless of whether you remembered him or not. Because everything is by him, for him, and through him. Apart from him, you can do nothing. So stop stressing out. Speaking to myself. Daddy God remembered if you forgot. He doesn't forget that it's for him, by him, and through him. He doesn't forget that he's the enabler, even though we forget. And so my life is just the same with Daddy God. I'm in startups, I'm in you know, software and tech and it doesn't matter how big this company is. It doesn't matter like our transaction volume. It doesn't matter how many customers we have. At the end of the day, this business, this startup, this venture, it's just paint blobs on recycled paper. That's all it is. Yelling back to daddy, God, daddy, daddy, look. We understand the role that we play and what we're, we're here for. I, I, ju- I just think we miss the boat so much. Because everything we do, when I take like something like that, what, what we do for work, and, and I compare it with like the heavens and the stars and all creation, like there's no comparison. I mean, like, look, Jesus, I made like an online donation tool, and you did the stars. I think we should talk. Like, there's just, there's no, there's no part in it. And so I, what do we give to a God who's creating stars and galaxies with words, right? What, what do you bring to him? Like, uh, you've got me beat on every account. Like, you, right? But yet we offer thanks to him. Why? Is because God is not looking for the satisfaction of the end result. He is satisfied in the participation with you. The reason why those paintings and those drawings, those scratches on recycled paper, they'd be rejected from every art museum in the world, but they're treasured for me because I have the link to her heart. I have the participation with her. I journey with her as she's learning, so they're priceless to me. That's the difference. If we're looking to create something snazzy for Jesus and have him appreciate it, he's like, I don't care about the result. I care about the heart. I care about where you are. They're not supposed to compare. Part of my revelation is like, it's not, just like Brett, it's not supposed to be compared. It was never designed to be a competition. And galaxies exist for God's pleasure, but galaxies cannot do something that we can, which is to have relationship back. A galaxy cannot say, Jesus, I choose you. Jesus, I want to be near you. Daddy, come look. A galaxy can do that, but that is what's treasured about us, what we do. So stop stressing out about trying to please God and inventing lines and boundaries for what is sacred and what's not sacred. I was always stressed out, like, um, I write music, ironically. I haven't written music for a long time. Um, but I, would, I can compose music. I'm, I, uh, I listen by ear. And so uh, 
I was always stressed out, like, and I like write music, and I felt so guilty about writing like you know music that wasn't like Christian lyrics. It was like really stressful. Like, you know, if you're gonna do something, it has to be you know Jesus version. You know, it's and, and people all the time want to start businesses, but they want it to be like I want to be like the Christian dry cleaners. They're like I want to be the something like just be dry cleaner. Like don't you know, like you know Jesus? Don't don't try and like jam these two together. And so part of my liberation at this season of my life is just realizing that there is no boundary of sacred and not sacred. It's all sacred. There's no difference between spiritual and non-spiritual. It's all spiritual. Everything in it. But for me, at least, I was so afraid of doing something apart from God or take attention away from God that I've actually come to a position that it's actually impossible. It's such a relief in my life to know, like, Thank you, Lord, I can't take any glory away from you. I can't mess it up. That, there's a really good feeling of knowing that you can't mess something up, at least for me. Um, and it's actually impossible for anything to go out beyond your sight. It's actually impossible for me to not give you glory because my life screams glory to you. Whether I'm participating or not, my life is about you. And so I take great comfort that Jesus doesn't leave it up to you for it to count. As you try your best in your life, as you try to bring the best of, of what the Spirit in you is doing, that he's not leaving it up to you for it to count. If you do something amazing and you get on national TV for something awesome and you forget Jesus, it's all about Jesus, pray for your sins to be saved, hello. You know, like if you, if you don't do that, it's okay. Because he takes pride and pleasure in your life regardless. One of the most... Um, one of my most familiar parables in the scriptures is this, is the story of the, the talents, remember? The master has the servants, and he gives three servants, five talents, two talents, and one talent. Go away. You guys know the story, right? They go away, and, and one guy comes and takes five and creates ten, you know? And, uh, and so he says, amazing, good job, faithful servant. I'll give you, do you remember what he said? I'll give you 10 cities. Yep. It's like, dang, exponential. Does anybody know what he said after that? The six most beautiful words in all the universe. He says, good job, great faithful servant, I'll give you 10 cities. And we should just mark out the entire like, part because what he says next is the only thing that matters. It says, enter the joy of your master. The prize wasn't the ten cities. The prize was enter the joy of the master, the one thing that money can't buy, the one thing I can't accumulate by my own effort. It's just I enter the joy of the master, something that a city can't compare. And so when we think about that, we, we go and we put our best and we try to do great things, we try to be effective, make a dent in the universe, totally but the end result would be that we would experience those six words. Enter the joy of your master. And it's being in the very essence of joy of the daddy is what it's all about. I can't tell you just like when Scarlett and I are having a great time, like there's just like this, like you just can't help but laugh and just be in a great mood. She's in my joy. I don't care what happens. I don't care what's happening outside. 
I don't care about any of that stuff. Like, you are in the joy, and it, ha- it comes so simply, too. Here's what I'm amazed at, is how easily I'm pleased with Scarlett. How easy it is to be joyful and be happy with her. Now, I totally get, because I saw a total jerk today that I wanted to go wring his neck. I was like, you better attend my sermon tonight, because I'm going to, no. Um, this guy on the street, like, Eric saw me afterwards. I was like, I'm not a fighter, but I was like ready to, you know, do one of these guys. And um, it was awful. And so it reminds me tonight that um, the word daddy, or the word dad or father can be so charged. It can actually be like the worst word in the language. It's, it's, it can, that word for some of us can be one of the most painful, wretched words. And so at that statement, I just wanted to let you know I recognize that this picture of a daddy in my story to Scarlett may not even, you might think I'm like totally crazy. I get it that that's probably not the norm. But I really believe there, I'm not the best father in the world, but I'm trying to be. And I believe there's something about that heart connection, the the pleasure that happens with a, a daughter that's unconditional, that's easy. And to be in the joy, I believe that those are the elements that God has designed to reveal to us through children whether or not you've experienced that yourself. But let me end with with these two verses. That's Matthew 5, 16. It says, let your light shine before men. Whose light? Your light. Not let my light shine before men. It's your Jesus t-shirt. It's let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. And glorify, there's that word, and glorify your Father in heaven. When you glory, he glories. It's so important we understand that. It's so important that you know that when you glory, he glories. And behind an accomplished son stands a father delighted in joy. The other verse is this, is that 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether then you eat or drink or Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This verse puts a pressure on doing instead of being. What this verse really means, what I want you to think about in this verse is that whether you drink or eat, it is already for the glory of God. We understand what he is doing in us. He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We understand the role that Jesus has in our life now and the journey he has us on. We understand that it's all glory to Jesus. So to tie that up, I just want... um, Yeah, I just want you to feel celebrated by the king. I'm just going to end there. I just want you to like feel that, that if you're like me that's been stressed out about competition with God for glory, competition in what you do, competition in being holy or righteous enough that, that there just is no competition. And that he's, he's so wanting to put you, well, well, we want to put Jesus on display. Totally, I get that. I think he's also looking to put us on display too. I told you Scarlett's kind of learning Spanish. So naturally the thing we'll do is like we'll parade her out in front of like people. All right, say Spanish. It's like, no. Like, she was doing it like five minutes. You know, like we'll do that. Like, no, 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 no. Like and we'll try it again. 
Like the, the, the daddy heart for the children is like, I want to show you. Because when I show you, it makes mention of me. It's impossible for someone to watch what our little girl does. I, I don't feel like, Scarlett, you, you know, you got to give, you, gotta, you know, tell them who, who taught you that. Like, I don't, those aren't thoughts I think. Because I know that when she glories, I glory. I, I'm, I'm just in utter joy. And so if we can just all, if you're with me, stop stressing out. I'm preaching to myself that I'm not going to mess it up. He's not leaving the count up to me. And because he's my enabler, he's my provider, everything I do is for him and through him. And apart from him, I can do nothing. I love you guys.